38. Today on the Movement of Color podcast, Byron and I talk about failed states, and particularly my state, the state of Wisconsin. Is it a failed state? What's going on politically here? Why are we having weird elections during a pandemic? My name is Brandon Peyton Carrillo, and uh, let's start this thing. Byron. Yes. As you know, I am from the great state of Wisconsin. Wonderful place. Never been there. <laughs> well, eventually, I'll, I'll make sure that you come because it's it's, a, it's almost magical and how majestic the state of Wisconsin is. However, right now, um, at no point before in my life has. Wisconsin and the definition of a failed state ever coincided so closely together. Yeah, that's... uh, And and why is that, Brandon? Well, to start with recent current events, and by super recent, um, as you know, we are going through a global pandemic with the COVID-19 virus a.k.a. coronavirus, a.k.a. Rona, a.k.a. the Boomer Doomer. <laughs> and uh, so you have death at our doorstep, and we've been social distancing to at least relieve pressure on our rickety, rickety, broken-down, dysfunctional healthcare system so that when people actually do get sick and they need ventilators or first responders need, you know, protective equipment, that we wouldn't run out and then we're just digging mass graves in the middle of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that. That would not be a good look. Not a good look. Um, well, our... Um, our Democratic governor, Tony Evers, who is like the most milquetoast Democrat ever. I didn't vote for this motherfucker. He's um, a Democrat in a state that has like a Republican legislature, right? Correct. Yeah. And we'll get into the history of how that dynamic has worked in the past and how it's changed now when we get into like the meat and potatoes bullshit. But so this cat got elected in because the Republicans, like they did in North Carolina, all right, we're going to try to limit this guy's power, his executive power, right off the bat. They've been antagonistic with him. If it didn't serve capital, they've been really antagonistic against this dude. And so he issued a stay-at-home, statewide stay-at-home order so that we can social distance and ride out this pandemic, shut down businesses until the worst of it's over, 
and then open up the state. Well, the Republican-led um, legislature um, decided, you know, they'll fuck with that. And um, they sued um, the executive branch to saying that basically saying that the stay-at-home order is um, unconstitutional under Wisconsin, you know, under Wisconsin law. And um, due to the fact that Wisconsin has this history of progressivism that kind of bit them in the ass where they were like, hey, elect our, ju- elect our judges. That led to, in practice, was partisan judges. And the partisan um, Wisconsin State Supreme Court uh, decided to lift the, you know, the stay-at-home order, saying that it's unconstitution, unconstitutional, and one judge likened it to the Japanese internment camp. <laughs> what? Well, put put a stick in that one. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yes. So now. The ban, I shouldn't say the ban, but the stay-at-home order is lifted, and um, now comedians such as, I'm calling you out, Mr. Trevor Noah, um, doing little bits about the Milwaukee did. Ha-ha. You know, look at all these Wisconsinites. They can't put away their fucking beer. They're going to the taverns. Which, in all fairness, Wisconsin, that's a part of our culture, it's a part of our social fabric is going to the neighborhood bar. You have friends and peers that you probably would never see anywhere else outside your life except for at that bar stool. And not to get into the rant and make it seem like I'm all pro, like, you know, lift the ban, liberate Wisconsin, you know, that kind of bullshit. But um, it's not only left a a nasty little stain on our reputation as a state, um, but I think it shows a larger dysfunction that has only grown over the last 10 years in the state and maybe where we're headed as a country. That sounds incredibly foreboding. <laughs> yes. Right. So... So essentially, there was a stay-at-home order, and then it was basically then the state supreme court said no. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and this is the only state in the union where a state supreme court was like, "No, fuck that order." You know, it's unconstitutional for a governor to make such a decree. Okay, so and so this has kind of resulted in like basically accusations that Wisconsin is a failed state. Yes, there were some people who opened that can of worms, which we're going to explore, by the way, that Wisconsin, due to not being able to keep their population safe, may be a a failed state. So, just to help with, like, listeners... So a failed state is this kind of concept in kind of like the it's generally it kind of came out of the foreign policy sphere uh, sphere um, mainly through the, during the Cold War uh, where it's like okay like the number one the, the absolute first priority of a state 
um, not state as in like you know like California, Wisconsin, like uh, Texas. I mean like state as in a nation state, like the kind that came out of the Treaty of Westphalia, like the the modern conception of it. Um, is the first priority is to just make sure people don't don't fucking die all the goddamn time, um, for like random fucking reasons. Um, to where like banditry isn't really a thing, or uh, where there's some sort of predictability in like daily life, um, you know, where you can there's some form of bureaucracy in place where you can you know you might not always get what you want, but at least there's a process that seems semi-functional. Um, that is what's generally considered a, a, a state, but when this you know when the state is incapable of doing that for bureaucratic dysfunction gross corruption, just outright negligence, or because, like, they just don't give a shit, um, and you have other priorities, if, like, you know, you're an average person, and, like, your basic security of, like, your bodily, of, like, your body is, like, not protected by the state, um, and the state no longer has a monopoly on, like, violence, or, um, is not able to make sure you don't die, like, that's, that's when you consider it a failed state. Um, and usually that's been used as an excuse to invade countries. <laughs> uh, but in, in, you know, in this case, I don't think that I don't think the federal government is going to invade Wisconsin. No, the federal government will not invade Wisconsin. However, the the corporate elites and corporate money invaded Wisconsin in 2010. There were the fucking enemies that kind of taken over and manipulated and destroyed this once proud state in our union. I mean, we were better than California. We were better than New York State. We were, you know, way better than Illinois, as anybody knows. If you want to talk about (laughs) a failed state. Uh, You mean uh, Illinois. I think you mean greater Chicago. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Chicago and friends. Uh, Chicago and friends, yes. Uh, but yeah, when Governor Scott Walker took over, and people were like, "Well, oh, well, they're playing in our elections. This, this money, this dark money, this Citizens United thing, you know, it's eroded our economy. It's eroded our, you know, democracy. Blah blah blah." Yeah, that was kind of true. That was at the beginning of it. Um, but the steps that once they got into power to set us up to this moment, you have uh, a very extreme electronic partisan um, gerrymandering that, um, according to some estimates, the state of Wisconsin, in order for the Democrats to even gain a majority, a slight majority, or break even, they would have to win 60% of the vote across the state. 60 percent. Damn. Well, that that explains why they have a Democratic governor and a Republican legislature. That that, that should explain it. (laughs) That should not be happening Uh, if you're you're in a non-gerrymandered state. It should be relatively reflective of that. Correct. It should be reflective of that. And in the old days, you generally had whichever party that was on the left. So... Or the center left. So you're saying Republicans in the earlier 20th century to the Democrats in the latter 20th century and the 21st century. 
Um, those parties have always dominated Wisconsin politics. Wisconsin was the birthplace of the Wisconsin ideal, where you get, uh, you know, the concept of Social Security and uh, cities that aren't corrupt <laughs> and, and yes. dirty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Milwaukee Sewer Socialism, yeah. Yeah. So all of this stuff and all this history within a matter of not even a generation, 10 years, has been undermined by the Walker administration when he was governor, from crushing unions and union busting to um, giving $4 billion to subsidies to Foxconn, um, writing out the Wisconsin ideal out of, out of the state constitution, or he attempted to, but that people, they were able to keep that in place. Um, a lot of things that seem in some ways symbolic, but in actuality, it had real-world consequences. Um, and then the gerrymandering and being able to capture you know, the state Supreme Court that has um, set us up for, okay, public safety, we shouldn't be having a fucking election, in-person election, during a pandemic. Yeah, it seems very one. obvious, but it's difficult for some. <laughs> exactly. And uh, when the governor tried to do the right things, like, let's push this off, or let's move this to, you know, summer or whatnot, uh, the Republicans are like, no, fuck it can't do that and took us to court and shut that shit down um because they really wanted to get a republican um supreme court justice back on board but what happened was that person wound up losing anyway uh, but they thought by the suppressed voting and only having like five polling locations left in um milwaukee that the Republicans would win. It'd be like, all right, we got our guy back in. Yeah, the the general strategy of the less people that vote, the better the Republicans do. Correct. Um, why it didn't work? Because I think in most states outside the Upper Midwest, uh, that it's just a guaranteed win. Um, Wisconsinites tend to have high levels of voter efficacy, so they believe their vote fucking matters. And they'll cross party lines uh, on the regular. So there was a, like a large part of um, Wisconsin voters in 2018 that voted for Tammy Baldwin, the first lesbian, opening lesbian senator, and Scott Walker, who was right-wing populist proto-fascist. So, you know, I don't know how you square that circle, but um, fuckers did that here. <laughs> but that's only what's that set up the groundworks for us to get this conversation. Is Wisconsin a failed state? Well, if, if, you're, if you're going off like the traditional definition of just making sure people don't just die constantly. Um, yes, it is clearly a failed state. But, like, generally, I don't go off that definition because I, I think it's too... It, it just seems too easy, and 
doesn't take into consideration the like internal kind of issues of the state and society that it's operating in. It, it, it's it, it's kind of like um, like like those metaphors that are used in political science, but like with no, but like they don't work because they don't take in any like context into them. You know, um, mm-hmm. like like tragedy and comments and stuff like that. Like if you think about it for like more than two seconds, it stops working. Um, you know, like the the. You know, there's like the Marxist kind of critique of the state, where it's like, okay, the failed a failed state is is uh, you know a, a state operates to ensure the continued uh, oppression of the lower classes, whether it's you know the peasants or the boot or the proletariat, depending on which stage of history you're on. Um, you know, that's the purpose of the state. That's the primary purpose. Um, death happens constantly in 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 these states, so. Like, if just because people are dying all the time doesn't mean, like, the state is failing in any way. Um, as long as the bourgeoisie or the aristocracy or whatever um, keeps getting its way, you're basically fine. Um, you're, the, the state is working as intended. It's just not working for the lower classes because it was never meant for them. Um, in that definition, it, Wisconsin is not a failed state. Um, you know, business is... This whole thing happened because business is, like, business owners and... The Republican Party um, wanted to get like business back as usual, um, and that's what they fucking got. So, it, it, in the Marxist sense, no, it is it is not a failed state at all. Um, but like, I, I know there's other definitions of like a state that we can get back and forth into, but um, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep those as the two general ones, at least for me personally. Yeah, and I think it's it's really uh, important to understand that. These are really, even though we study this kind of stuff in, like, political science courses and shit, it's still pretty subjective on what's the criteria of a failed state. And then when you kind of apply it to maybe maybe not the nation state, but a, a regional government that is federated with a na- nation state or whatnot, then it gets a little bit murkier and then there's certain things that where you have these dual sovereignties where you know the state of Wisconsin is its own sovereignty but then the US Constitution supersedes it and their laws have to be in line well if there's some shit going on with the US government along failed state lines how does that affect when you're just referring to the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, well, in, in that state, if, like, the national kind of federal structure has basically, like, failed in some way or collapsed or is kind of just outright defunct, like, dysfunctional and, like, not working as intended, um, that would naturally mean that the sovereignty kind of devolves to the state level, kind of, the the, the American concept of states, uh, of, of political units. So, like, you can kind of see this with, like, all the weird state packs that were kind of forming up, like, a few weeks ago, where, like, the, there was, like, the West Coast pack, and then there was, like, the seven state council, and then there was, like, uh, the Northeast states are kind of working together, and then there's, like, the the Midwest pack, and then, like, um, certain, certain cities, like, not even say cities in, like, the South are working together to kind of reopen their economy, um, you know, like... All these things, all these like pacts and alliances that technically under the Constitution is like illegal. 
<laughs> it's unconstitutional. Yes. Um, like they're they're only they're only like uh, constitutional if like Congress allows them. And last I checked, Congress is not is not like giving the go ahead for any of this. So it's all technically unconstitutional. But the federal government can like can't really do anything because of all the coronavirus stuff. Like they were already incompetent to begin with. Like and they're particularly incompetent now. Like they're just already dysfunctional. Uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't call it failed, but I would call it failing. Um, if if you're yeah. if you're considering the 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 ability of the state to kind of have sovereignty and be like the last word when it comes to what happens to its sub-national units. Yeah, it's almost like the national government would fall under maybe like a definition of a fragile state. Um, because the thing is, I'm not, and this is because I'm not a maybe a U.S. constitutional lawyer or whatnot, but there's a theory of thought where the train of thought going where if it's not expressly like enumerated within the constitution, it's okay for the states to do, but there's nothing in the constitution that says, Oh, you can't do it. Even though the spirit of the constitution says you probably shouldn't. And with, because of that, and because of, um, we are slow to, you know, update our old ass constitution, our rickety, duct taped, you know, stapled together constitution. Um, these pressure points in which the Trump administration and then others who kind of want to agitate along with them and his allies really push those divisions in ways that um, I don't ever recall, you know, like I don't ever recall a president saying, well, states, you've got to figure out a way to come up with your own, you know, protective equipment for the for your state. Like what? In a pandemic? Yeah, like like in a situation where like you would expect the central government um, in any country to like seize full control and kind of because it, it is an emergency situation. Um, like. You know, if, if this, if this, if like the U.S. was like, you know, anything resembling like a actual functioning state, like, you know, whether regardless of whether you think it's a good or a bad idea, like the state would probably like centralize distribution and, uh, you know, like control like where what goes where and you know who goes where and put up like um, kind of broad universal um, like mandates to the states that like they have to comply with because of the state emergency. Um, you know, like you you think that would happen, but like again, the U.S. is not a it, the U, United States federal government is basically a fragile state. Um, like you mentioned at this point, um, and is now incapable of really doing that because it doesn't have the because I because we, even within the Republican Party, um, which is just one faction of the state, like you got people who are like states' rights like weirdos and like fucking assholes. Um, so much so that like they'll even go against their own party to do so. Um, and then you have, like, other Republicans who are like, yeah, we should, uh, kind of like the Tucker Carlson's, like, Republicans, that's what I call them, like, almost like the proto-fascist Republicans, um, who are like, no, we should, like, do drastic federal and state intervention into, into the economy to make sure, like, the average person is, like, kept alive, um, and used as a clear way to, like, basically get a bunch of, like, free votes later on. Uh, by like doing like some real bare bones like uh, welfare for the white man kind of shit. Yeah, 
They're they're the nationalists. Um, if you whether you lump on the white nationalists, which let's be honest, in America, if you're a nationalist, or like you're the civic nationalists, nationalist. who are like, oh, we don't care about ethnicity. What we care about is culture, which is like a whole other fucking thing, which is still pretty evil. <laughs> yeah. But as long, exactly. he, he can be black, he just can't act black. You know, you can't be brown. Uh, you you can't like if if you're like a Mexican immigrant you 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 better speak English uh, or you're fucked. But you know being brown in of in and of itself is not like officially according to state sanction under civic nationalism a bad thing. But it's still pretty exactly. terrible because it's like cultural genocide, actual genuine cultural genocide. And I'm gonna piggyback it just on that point and going back into what we've been talking about. But I think. It's always important to know to remember when we talk about like that kind of civic nationalism. So like, okay, guess what? We'll take tacos. You know, we like Cinco de Drinco. We like margaritas, but remove the humanity and actual people and of origin of where that comes from, and then comes up with this really milk toast, watered down version of a Taco Bell taco, resulting in a Taco Bell taco. Oh God. Uh, yeah. And um, margarita mixes and all that kind of stuff, but that's that's now American now. But the people who created it are no longer—they're not American. And there's they're, always they're, they're this kicked constant out or assimilated. Line. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those guys, and they're they're down with the Trump sickness and they dovetail really well with that corporate. We got to, you know, turn this economy back around and turn it on so we can get our third quarter profits. So I could have my, but my, you know, third or fourth yacht or something. Yeah. So yeah, like that's, that's like the, again, so based off of like, again, using that, use if you have, you take off like the Marxist kind of conception of, uh, kind of statehood I guess the it, Wisconsin is not a way to fill state actually I would also add the anarchist definition of like a state which is like the monopoly on violence and kind of a hierarchical um, kind of top down way of deciding anything of deciding things um, Wisconsin would still stay a, like a, a functional state um, it would not be a fell state because last I checked uh, monopoly still has a monopoly on violence uh, Wisconsin still has a monopoly on violence and like decision making is still being made for the top down at least from the state perspective correct correct uh, one thing I think this would be a nice kind of pivot point um, I, because I do some you know weird searches on the internet sometimes but um, I came across a uh, paper called uh, Pathways to State Failure and they discuss kind of the five possible path, pathways to state failure. Now, some of these five, um, I think we're, we're kind of there, either if you want to look at the U.S. or the state of Wisconsin, um, where, and I'll go briefly through it, and uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Byron, because you're a fucking genius. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, Number one is escalation of communal groups, conflict. Um, they give examples, like they talk about Syria and 
Nigeria, that kind of shit. So ethnic groups fighting. Rwanda, that was like a thing. Um, number two, state predation. Uh, corrupt or crony corralling of resources at the expense of other groups. Um, Basically favoritism within the state. Exactly. Um, number three, uh, regional or guerrilla rebellion. Oh, that's always fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the, the, the wet dream of uh, swap Maoists and, like, those, uh, like, three percenter militia types. That, the, yeah, the, yeah. the true uh, horseshoe theory. <laughs> yeah. We should let them just go at it. In, like, Wyoming, where no one else is at. Uh, <laughs> uh, number four, democratic collapse. And this is also maybe leading to a civil war or a coup d'etat. And number five, secession or reform crisis in authoritarian states. So one of the things they talk about is like, okay, Soviet Union under Gorbachev. Um, but your thoughts on whether we're, we're slipping any of those possible pathways, the doorways to those pathways have been opened, if you will. Well, like the the one about like, kind of prior of like the state uh kind of doing favoritism with like certain groups within society that's well i, I would say that's like kind of always the case <laughs> um i mean america is like a racist fucking uh classist society so of course like the white bourgeoisie are gonna get like prior gonna get first dibs on everything so like but that's kind of baked into the state in fact i could i would make the argument the state the the modern concept of you know uh that was kind of the point of the constitution was to protect that um, so I, I would not say that as a way to, uh, you know, as like, oh, the state's declining or kind of falling apart. Uh, but I, I, another kind of interpretation would be like, oh, the, the fact that the federal government is like favoritism within certain states, like Republican states based on less upon like more upon party lines. Cause that was what was happening with like the federal government, which like with personal protective equipment and like. Uh, like the ventilators and stuff is that they were basically handing them out to like uh, loyal Republican governors, uh, basically telling Democratic governors or any rep- any dissident Republicans to like fuck off. Um, that or uh, there was also an issue of the federal government, uh, specifically uh, fucking Donald Trump's like son-in-law. Uh, what was his name again? Oh, Jared. Kushner. Jared. Yeah, Jared. Uh, where like he was kind of in charge of the program, where he would like requisition like ventilators. And personal protective equipment from states, and then sell them back on the market, <laughs> to like make a profit, basically. Uh, sometimes yeah. back to the states that those ventilators and personal pre- protective equipment was requisitioned from. <laughs> State predation. That's yeah. that's a fucking term, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, on that definition, I would say, like, yeah, uh, that that is present. Um, so, like, I mean, that's, just, that's that's one of the kind of clear ones that I've kind of seen. If you go on that specific interpretation, of course, the first uh, kind of interpretation is kind of just, like, it's priced in, I guess, if we're going to quote Trump. But, um, yeah. So what about you? What, what else do you see? Um, I think democratic collapse is right around the corner. Oh, that's been um, happening. <laughs> yeah. It's a slow, it's a slow thing. But an absolute, like, where we decide, like, well, 
this shit's gone. Like, yeah, like, like elections are increasingly becoming. I mean, like with gerrymandering and kind of the electoral college just kind of breaking down and causing problems. Uh, you know, and like elections are like increasingly be- being seen as illegitimate by like everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's, so, it's, yeah. So all we need is one big shot, and obviously because Americans. They sleep on their own backyard, and you know when they see democracy being stripped away from them in their actual own like government, in which they can control, like you know state government or local government. Um, but all we need is one big shot, which is like the federal government. Some fucked up happening with this election in 2020, and then I'm not gonna say all hell breaks loose. Um, maybe in the media, but it's definitely something that could lead to a true democratic collapse. I mean, like my my kind of worst, my kind of nightmare scenario for this would be like the second wave comes during November. Uh, the second wave, which is always like the second wave coronavirus, which is always like within within plagues, are always like the largest one. Um, it happens in the middle of November. Uh, like during elections and like Trump just says fuck it and just like either either he uh, cancels the election or, or postpones it uh, which has never happened <laughs> like even even in the Civil yeah. War they, they kept the election timeline going as normal um, either that or like Trump becomes so unpopular that he loses but by that point he's basically uh, kind of because t- he, he's taken over the Supreme Court. Uh, he's already put two people on, like two people who are loyal to him on it, um, along with all the other Republicans who are loyal to their party. And as long as as long as the party stays behind Trump, like Trump can realistically say, like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore that election. And if the Republicans are like at that point where they're just like, fuck it, like they want to, uh, they they see an opportunity and there's enough from the business, there's enough kind of push from the business community to kind of pushed them off the, the the very edge of uh, democratic accountability that they've been on for like for since like the 80s um, <laughs> they can just say fuck it we're doing a junta and like Trump is like El Generalissimo you know <laughs> Generalissimo <Yes>. Trump <laughs> and just like and, like and that would lead to a total fucking collapse of the state like I could generally see like uh, like democratic states uh, uh, or at least the, the ones that are like more kind of liberal or 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 have basically shifted um, into, like, fuck this, like, this is not what we're here for, like, splitting off. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I could see the West Coast kind of splitting off at that point. If it is because they're so far away from D.C., um, they have such a large economy on their own. Like, the California National Guard is fucking huge, um, along with, like, uh, Washington and Oregon, which is controlled by, like, the more coastal areas. Um, you know, and... Uh, have basically been fighting Trump on like everything. Um, I can I can see like at that point even the liberals have gotten so radicalized, not 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 into socialism, but just into more radical liberalisms um, mm-hmm. that they can just say fuck it, and just like okay like this 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 kind of United States thing isn't working anymore because Trump just said because Trump and the Republicans just said just kind of finally pushed everything off the edge. But again, that's my nightmare scenario. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, hope that doesn't fucking happen. But again, yeah, that's my little 
that's my little uh, doom saying for today. And I'm going to add another maybe happier alternative, but still kind of doom. <laughs> um, it could be like the state of Wisconsin where, say, Biden does win. But the Republicans maintain control of the Senate and maybe even take the House. Or oh, they, they will take they they will retain the Senate. Um, just the way that the states demographically and like in terms of partisanship are like you know they're they're gonna the Senate is gonna be Republican until something else changes. But you know it's it's it's, it's staying Republican. Yeah. So. They keep the Senate. They probably make inroads in um, in the House, or maybe take the House. Maybe not in 2020, but 2022. And then you'll see the Biden administration being pushed around and bitched around, um, like Tony Evers in Wisconsin. Now, granted, 85 percent of the stuff that Biden's for, the Republicans are for. So. The things that will get done are going to be the most corporatized, you know, welfare, tax cuts, bullshit that we've ever seen. But the Democrats are going to be like, well, that's the best we can do. You know, we got to reach across the aisle and, you know, we want to restore our democracy where they don't actually do any restoration of any democratic practices. And it just leads further down this decline into oligarchic, you know, capture. And, you know, people just can fall back to sleep because there are people who want to fall back to sleep because they want to go back to 2012. Yeah, that was like the last year where everything made sense. Or like the last election where everything made sense. Or at least to them. Exactly. So... To me, viscerally, that is in some ways worse than a Trump, you know, hail Trump, you know, kind of oligarchic autocracy. Because if that happened, there will at least be enough libs to be pissed off and like, fuck this, we're either going to fight back or... Oh, no, we're most libs leave. will be like my, my precious norms. Uh, and we'll complain about it, but I don't think they'll, you know, we're not going to have, like, uh, you know, uh, lib wine moms, you know, doing, like, a third, like uh, forming, like, uh, uh, rural, like, uh, insurgency groups, you know? Like, that, that ain't going to be a thing. <laughs> uh, but I, I think there will be some kind of liberals, especially as things get worse, like, like the, the militarization of uh, politics, um, which is inevitable, even, like, you know, you're even seeing like there was a New York Times opinion piece where basically said like, "Hey, liberals, get guns!" Like <laughs> the other ar- the other side's armed to the teeth. You might you might have to do that too. Um, and that was in the New York Times, for God's sakes. Uh, wow. the, the the bastion of oh my precious norms. Uh, <laughs> you know, like so. I mean, by November, I mean we're at the point where like every day is is a whole is a whole new fucking. Events, you know, how 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 the hell can any of us predict what's going to happen by November? Exactly. Who knows? Maybe Trump gets coroned out. You know. Yeah. You know. Then is you know, 
President Pence, and then maybe Biden literally shits himself live on like a live stream. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like no, no, shit myself. That I mean, that's like a that's a that's a realistic uh, probability now. But you know, yeah. that's just what we had to deal with. Uh, well, the future is scary, folks. <laughs> it is super scary. Um, I still believe in you, Wisconsin. I still believe in you. <laughs> you were cool once. You can be cool again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, this has been uh, fun in its own special way, Brandon. Thank you. Yes. You know, we can't steer away from doom. Um, maybe that's just our personalities. Maybe that's just kind of our steely-eyed realism. Um, we're, with a combination of idealism, but I don't know. I dig it. I dig it too. Wow, folks. We made it in another episode. I just want to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter at movement underscore color and support us at patreon.com backslash movement of color. Thank you as always. My name is Brandon Payton Carrillo. Adios. The movement of color.